Glad you're here this morning, church. My name is Pastor Harris. I'm the lead pastor at First Open Bible, and I just want to welcome you here in the house of God. We're going to get into God's word here in just a moment. Um, This morning, we're starting a new series, and it's titled, Behold, a Savior is Born. Amen. Woo! 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 It's like a bunch of owls up in here. Woo! (laughs) Woo Woo-woo! Hallelujah. Turn your head. Hallelujah. Woo-woo! Right? It's weird. Okay. Amen. I ain't shaming you, man. If you, maybe you're new here. Um, This is not a museum, and this is not a library. This is the house of God, and and if something resonates with your spirit, you ever seen uh, maybe a movie or before or something, or you've seen something before, and they say, amen, that that means I agree, or hallelujah, like you got to give the highest praise. Every once in a while, you you just agree, and you got to say something, amen? You just got to say, amen, hallelujah, amen, woo, somebody filled, somebody's filled up, hallelujah, hmm, you know, you got to empty yourself out to get filled up, right? And sometimes God's got to pour things to get all that junk out, and he just keeps filling you, and it just keeps on filtrating out of you, right? Amen. But you've got to allow God to fill you up to get something else inside of you. Hallelujah. Well, today we start our Advent series as we focus on Jesus from the manger to the cross. We'll be talking about an anticipation of the truth and the birth of Jesus and the fulfillment of Scripture. Not only about his birth, but also about his life, his death, and his resurrection. All month long, we're going to focus on all the reasons why we celebrate, not just on December 25th, not just on Christmas Day, but all the reasons we celebrate all year long. Jesus' birth and his sacrifice on a cross was the greatest gift that has ever been given. Amen? You know what I love about that gift too? It's available to everybody. That gift is given to anyone and everyone that wants to accept it. There are no exclusions. Right? And even if you want to take it back to Target, they won't take it. You got to keep that. Amen? You can give it back. But what's good about God is he will give it to you again if you want it. Amen. The four weeks preceding Christmas are traditionally known in the Christian church as the season of Advent. Now, Advent is a time of waiting, expecting, and anticipating the arrival of Jesus Christ. This time reminds us of the many faithful followers of God throughout the Old Testament who knew that God had promised to restore all that had been lost when sin entered the world. God's people placed their hope in that God would come through with his promise. God's promise to deliver his people with his Savior. Christmas is the fulfillment of hundreds of years of prophetic predictions about the coming of the Messiah who would change the world. Last month was Fear Not, you know, Understanding the Times, and we talked a lot about fulfilled prophecy. We talked a lot about deception in this time. If you weren't here, you can go back and you can uh, listen to it on our podcast or you can watch it on um, Facebook or you can watch it on YouTube. But, um, you know, there was a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament as well about the soon and coming king, about the Messiah, the one that is coming to redeem mankind. And that's what we're going to talk about this month. See, God's people waited for a savior who would come and rescue and restore the broken creation that they were living in, and they held on to hope that God would stay true to his promise. With joy, they anticipated the arrival of Christ. As a humble servant, Jesus loved all that he encountered from the cradle to the cross. Behold, Emmanuel, God's greatest gift. The Prince of Peace has come. The Savior of the world is here. The world will never be the same again. Happy Advent, everyone. Amen? Amen. All right, this morning we're going to start off the series by exploring two Old Testament prophecies. If you can open up your book, your Bible, up to the book of 
Isaiah. It's in the Old Testament. See, there was prophecies about Jesus, his birth, life, and his death. We look at how the anticipation of the coming Messiah had been foretold centuries before. Giving hope to the people of God that salvation would come through the promised Savior of the world. This fulfilled promise of Jesus' birth gives us hope today that no matter what we face, anything we face, anything we faced or anything we're facing now, we're going to face in the future, Jesus is with us. And he's made a way for our forgiveness. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice to offer us hope and the ultimate freedom from our sin. Church, I want to remind you, you're not alone. You're not alone. Some of y'all feel lonely in this time, this time of year, this season. But I want you to know that you're loved by God. If you confess your sins to Jesus and you, you confess your sins to one another, you'll receive God's freedom and you'll receive God's healing. Amen? Amen. Today's the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is one of my favorite times of year because you start to sense that Christmas is coming. Anybody like that? Woo! Christmas junkies. Hey, 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 right? Woo! See, houses are starting to put their lights up. The white demon is starting to fall from the sky. Some of y'all were waiting for that. I'm thankful. Hey, I can handle this. I love the white demon all over our grass and our houses, as long as it's not in the streets and where I walk. Amen. I can handle that, right? Pile it up somewhere else. I don't care as long as I can walk to where I want to go. And I don't got to shovel it, and it's not a negative 20 degrees. Remember last year? Man. It's like, if there was ever a time you felt like God abandoned you, it's then. God's down somewhere in Florida, right? He's just... God's not a snowbird. I'm just playing. These are jokes. Hallelujah. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. All at once. See, I love this. Uh, to kick off our Behold, a Savior is Born series, uh, we get to remind ourselves of some wonderful things that are happening, right? I love that we get to eat holiday snacks and drink eggnog. Anybody like eggnog? Woo! Anybody hate eggnog? Nobody's perfect. It, to me, it kind of tastes like, like, like melted uh, ice cream or something. I love it. I A.E. does the best job. Hallelujah. Take a moment of silence right now for A.E. Hallelujah. Can I? Mm. God's gift to the Midwest. Hallelujah. See, I love, right, this season, stores are starting to play festive music, and unless you're Sherry, like our office manager, Sherry, she started playing that back in July, and has been driving Pastor Mark insane, right? <laughs> right? Sherry, where's your amen on that? Amen. <laughs> it's true. I'm not lying. It's true. I just shut my door. <laughs> I'm going to go work in there. You have fun. To kick off our Behold, a Savior is Born series, we'll see that thousands of years ago, there were prophets in the Old Testament who wrote about a future day when God would send a Savior to his people. Today, we're going to talk about the prophet Isaiah. See, God would make a way for all things to be healed from the devastating effects of sin. It is during this season we celebrate that in a dirty stable in Bethlehem, long ago, there was a baby that was born who would change the world by bringing eternal hope. Church, to really enjoy Christmas, to really enjoy this season, you have to embrace hope. I know some of y'all need hope. God told me this week, you need hope. Some of y'all feeling hopeless or down or out. God's got a word for you today. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. God does. I don't know what you faced. I don't know how hurt you've been or how broken you've been or how you feel like uh, God's left you or maybe people have left you. 
Or maybe you've made some really bad mistakes in your life. There's an eternal hope that is far beyond anything you could ever dream or imagine. There's a hope here this morning that if you want it, you can have it. Do you remember when you were a child and all the excitement that you had to find out what presents were under the tree for you to open up? Do you remember that, right? Now, I don't know if my mama's watching, but mama taught me this. My mama is a super snoop. She won't deny it. Mama, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Just, just tell the truth. Mama taught me how to be a super snoop. I'm a little kid and I'm just like, okay, that piece of tape is the loosest right there. It's the, it's the most loose, so I'm going to do this, right? You, you would think if I could afford it, I would have got like a steamer and everything and just, you know, release it, look under there, see what it is, and then seal it right back up. Man, I don't know how many times I went underneath the tree and I'm like, whoa, what's there for me? Our daughter just did it this weekend. And she's like, we're like Lindley, get away from the tree, right? Well, who's that for? Who's, who's that one, right? Look at that big sock. Can I look in the big sock? Right? No, you cannot look in the big sock. There's gifts here. But man, anybody remember that when you were a kid? You're so excited to know what presents were under the tree for you. Amen? Each day leading up to December 25th, I would look under the Christmas tree and hope that perhaps that thing or those things that I've been longing for are underneath that tree waiting for me to open them up. As a kid, I could not wait until I would put my wish list together, right? A skateboard, a Nerf blaster, Super Nintendo game, Gaxblad, a Talkboy, Ninja Turtles, an X-Men comic book, and some Pogs. Some of y'all grew up in the 90s and know what I'm saying. I'm an 82 model, personally. I'm an 82 model. So these are the things I loved as a kid, late 80s, early 90s. See, when I was done with my awesome Christmas list, some of y'all got like a pet rock. You, you've been around that long. Hallelujah. That actually was a real gift. That guy was a genius. He made millions on a stupid little rock that he put in a box and he just painted it. Here you go. And everybody's like, I want one of those. It's like, go outside. It's free. Some of y'all are laughing because you paid the money. Just tell me how much it is. I will get a box, put a rock in it, and I'll charge you half. I love it when I created my Christmas list, and when I was done, I would then hand it over to my parents to send to Santa. And you know that my list got to Santa quicker than all my other peers. Wink, wink. You know why? My parents work for the post office. That's why. They did. Mom delivered mail. Dad ran a post office. Hallelujah. Church, even though many things would be revealed later on the truth of what that is, this was the beginning of my hope that was being instilled into my young heart for the Christmas season. This hope that most children feel, I would find out later, was pointing to something bigger and greater and even more meaningful then any earthly store could buy me something. As fun as it was to make the Christmas list and to wait to open all of our presents, I gotta tell you this too, it's so funny. My mom, she's like, okay, everyone just sleep in. Tomorrow's Christmas, everything's fine. Just sleep in. We're gonna get up. We're gonna do all of our stuff, you know, and whatever. And it's like six in the morning. She flips on the lights. She goes, what are you doing? Christmas, wake up! I'm like, oh, mom. I'm, no joke. If my sister was here, she'd be like, "That's truth. That's truth." She'd probably do one of these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every year, my mom would do that. I love during this season. It wasn't all about the lists or the presents. I'd find this out later. It'd be about the hope that's so much greater to find than we can find in any electronics, toys, dolls, or Nickelodeon slime. The bigger picture behind this Advent season that I found out later is because Jesus' birth, things that I can now have like purpose, 
and meaning and significance and forgiveness and wholeness. And those are the things that are available to us. These are the gifts we don't have to wait to just open one time a year. When we place our faith in Jesus, these gifts become ours. We can find them each and every day. This wonderful reality fills us with hope. No matter what circumstance we face, no matter what we're walking through, whatever situation we find ourselves in, the gift of eternal hope is now ours each and every day. Now, people thousands of years ago, they didn't find their hope in writing a really long Christmas list and sending it to an overweight guy that should hate cookies by now. (laughs) It's not where they found their hope. The people of God in the Old Testament were waiting and hoping for God to fulfill his promise, a promise to bless them, and through them, bless the entire world. God's people in the Old Testament were hoping for the promised prophesied Messiah. Now, the word Messiah means this, anointed one or chosen one. The Messiah would be sent to rescue and heal all of creation from the destructiveness and and the destruction and the effects of sin. The prophet Isaiah wrote about this hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. If you're in the book of Isaiah... The big number is the seven, that's the chapter, and we want to go to seven, and then we're going to go to verse 14, and it says this in the NLT. All right, then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she'll give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. See, God promised to give his people a sign. A sign. Have you ever asked that in your life? Like you're going through something, you're like, God, give me a sign. Or let me just feel you close to me. Give me something to know that you are here, that you're listening, that you love me, that you see me where I'm at. God promises to give his people a sign to tell them when the promised and anointed one would come. This promise and this prophecy was meant to give them something to wait for and to watch for. So when they saw it, their hearts would be filled with hope. So hundreds of years before Mary and Joseph ever came to Bethlehem, hundreds of years before there was ever a crowded inn in a dusty old stable, God had spoken hope through his prophet Isaiah. God told his people to watch for a virgin who would become pregnant. A a, a what would become, huh? Right? This isn't like that person in high school that says, oh yeah, I don't know how to happen. Okay, okay. (laughs) I don't don't have any, no, we're not talking about that. See, this is a very interesting sign that God chose for us to watch for. First of all, This is called a miracle. What is a miracle? Here's the definition of a miracle. An event that cannot be explained by natural or scientific laws. Therefore, it is considered to be a work of a divine agency. Anybody ever had a miracle in their life before? Raise your hand. Science cannot explain it. Doctors cannot explain it. The reality that we live in cannot explain it. But God is the God of the impossible. I've seen it. I've seen miracles. I've been a part of them. I've been a part of miracles that my wife has walked through. I've been a part of miracles that I prayed for somebody at work before and they were healed instantaneous. And I'm not going to lie. I was fairly new to my faith and I did this. Really? And I was like, oh, yes, I have faith to believe, but I could not believe that God did a work just like that, right? Somebody had COPD that reversed and got better. That That is not medically possible, right? God is the God of the impossible. So this sign, this miracle that God chose was going to indicate that when this happens, it's not man, it is God that did it. This pregnant virgin would give birth to a son and his name would be Emmanuel. See, during this time, 
Kind of like this time now, but I think it might have been even worse in a lot of ways. This time when Jesus came, it was very dark. It was a dark time. But God promised to bring the light of the world to us, for us, wrapped in a manger. The signs of God working in your life will often be the things that you cannot produce on your own. There will be things that only God can do. And when that happens, that's where hope is born. If you could do all things on your own, then there'd be no need for God. See, this is why it says in God's word that it's hard for a rich man to accept Christ because they have all the pleasures and the money of the world and they can feel like they can do anything because they have this money, right? God says that you can't, you can't both serve mammon, which is money and possessions and the things of this world, and God. If you could do all things on your own, then you'd have no need for God. See, the Bible teaches that, that all things are possible with God to those who believe in God. Amen. It does not teach that all things are possible with belief in man alone. Here's the truth. You need divine power to save your marriage. You need divine power to fight your diagnosis. You need divine power to kick your addiction, to fix your current mess, and to be freed from depression. You need divine intervention. So when the Virgin Mary gave birth to a son 2,000 years ago, that was the work of God and a sign to the world that God can do anything. When the angel Gabriel visited Mary, he said in Luke 1.37, he said, for nothing will be impossible with God. See, the signs of God in your life is what gives you hope or will give you hope. And God with us is the hope that we needed. And the God with us now is the hope we need right now. See, those, those people that came to the altar, they needed hope. They needed a touch from God. They needed something broken off in their life or filled up in their life. They needed depression to be gone, sickness to be gone. They needed a friend or a family that needed to be set free. They wanted their child to come home. They, they needed a financial breakthrough. They needed to be out of all the mess that they've been in. And they needed God to intervene. They needed the love and the compassion and the mercy of God. They needed the hope. They were believing that nothing will be impossible with God. I want you to think for a moment, church. Where in your life is it really, really dark? Where does it feel like there is no hope? Right now, where do you need the light of the world to intervene? Matthew 1, 18 through 25 says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before their marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will give or have a son and you will give him the name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. We just read it in Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, and, which means God is with us. For when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. 
Church, when creation cried out for help, God did not tell creation to get its act together first. No, God saw that all that he had made and and he saw all that needed rescued and God himself made the first move. God came to us, Emmanuel. While we were yet still sinners, God came to us. He wrapped love in flesh, put it in a manger and then 33 years later died for us so we can be close to him forever. Jesus, Emmanuel, is God's fulfilled Old Testament promise to be God with us. I love this. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he tells us the meaning of Christmas and Easter in just one verse. It's in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God did not come to us because we deserved it. You deserve it? I didn't deserve it. He did not come to us because we earned it. Did you earn it? So I don't know what belief that you have or what you've believed in the world or what religion has taught you, but there is nothing. First off, there's no such thing as a good person. The Bible says in Jeremiah that your heart is the most wicked thing there is. There is a such thing as a godly person who wants to do good, but the only good thing inside of us is God. No matter what you do or how hard you try or all the religious things that you think you're doing or how good a good Samaritan you try to be, that won't get you into heaven. That won't even teach you the real love of God. That's a misunderstanding of what man has taught about God and not what God has taught about himself and his word. God did not come because we deserve it. God did not come because we earned it. He came because he loves us. And he knows, church, that we cannot get ourselves out of the huge mess that we find ourselves in right now from our sin. The moment that two-year-old said, no, was the moment that child needed Jesus. (laughs) Out in the name of Jesus, you tell mommy and daddy, yes. No. God, only you can save them. You know it's true. You know it's true. Our son, he was in a phenomenal two-year-old. And then there came three. (laughs) Terrible twos, whatever. Not in my house. Right? Got to remind that little kid. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay? (laughs) Go to your room. Or you get a pow pow. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, church, we find ourselves in a massive mess. I don't care how hard you try. I'm gonna say it. The Pope can't even get himself out of this. I don't. No cardinal. No nobody who thinks they're closer to God than than y'all think. You're further from God. By the way, it's level at the cross. There's no such thing. We all need saving grace. We're all in a huge mess. And that's why God sent Jesus, his one son, to us, Emmanuel. See, it was the knowledge and the hope of that knowledge that God would one day return for his people that kept the people of God going in the Old Testament. It's what inspired their hope, and even today it's what should inspire our hope right now. Jesus, Emmanuel, has come just as it was foretold. And church, he's coming again soon. Amen? I want to read you a story. One night at dinner, this old man, who had spent many summers in Maine, fascinated his companions by telling of his experiences in a little town named Flagstaff. He went on with a huge smile on his face about the friendly townspeople he met, the adventures that he went on, the good food that he ate in the beautiful summer nights. 
With tears in his eyes, he started finishing his story. By telling his companions about how after several years of great memories, the town was to be flooded as part of a large man-made lake was to overtake it. In the months before it was to be flooded, all improvements and repairs in the entire town was stopped. The adventures became dull and the townspeople became discouraged and they got hopeless. Because of current circumstances, it seemed that all hope had been lost and their hearts ached in the town of Flagstaff. They thought, what was the use of painting a house if it was to be covered in water in six months? Why repair anything when the whole village will be wiped out? Why have any fun or further building relationships when we are all going to have to move away soon anyway? So week by week, day by day, the whole town became more and more tore down and run down. Hope seemed to be lost. People started leaving. No new memories were being made as the townspeople began to leave. The town started to fade. Things started getting bleak and darkness set in. In 1949, that was the last summer this old man would spend in Flagstaff, Maine. The next year, the city would be lost for good. It was completely put underwater because Long Falls Dam was now complete. The new lake started filling up. The older man who spent many wonderful summers in Flagstaff, he added this quote from Halford E. Lucock to end his story. And this is what he said. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. Church, far too many of us have the same mentality of these townspeople. We've lost hope. Because right now things look dark. And you might not understand your future. So you've stopped believing that God is with you. You believe nothing's going to get better. Because you have no faith in your future, you have stopped hoping for a change. Life seems to have gotten bleak lately. You feel like you have no power in your current circumstances. You desperately need God to intervene. Church, when you give up on hope, that becomes your own self-fulfilled prophecy. When you lose hope, you stop pursuing your spouse. You turn to a substance abuse. We can even lose the will to fight. We feel stuck, we get bitter, and our heart breaks. We get angry and paranoid, and our mind becomes a dangerous place. When we lose hope, pain and discouragement, resentment, guilt, and loneliness flood our lives and overtake us. We feel like those townspeople where there is no faith in the future, there's no power in the present. We feel like we're in a dark place and there is no hope. But it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. I'm going to speak to it. It's no longer going to be this way. Today is a new day. His mercies are new this morning. His grace is available. His hope is eternal. And he loves you. That's a lie of the enemy. John 8, 12 says this. Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said this. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life.
I want to give you some hope this morning. There was a virgin and she gave birth. That child was and that child is Emmanuel. God is with you. You, no matter what you face, what you're going through, or whatever your mindset is right now, you don't have to lose that gift. No matter what you face today or how you feel today or how bad your mentality is, God is the God that rescues. He will not let you drown in the sorrows of life. Psalm 34, 18 and 19 tells us this. The the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles. It's true. That's called life, church. You will face things. But the Lord comes to rescue each time. Jesus won't leave you. He won't turn his back on you. God's gift of Emmanuel will not forget you either. You're not going to be left off the list unless you try to give back the gift. The best part of your life, somebody needs to hear this. The best part of your life is not behind you. Come on now. The best part of your life. Mm-hmm. Can I get a amen? Was a amen. Little baby choir back there. The best part of your life is not behind you, church. For God promises you a hope and a future. But it's not just that verse. I know some of y'all love that verse. That was my life verse. My parents gave me Jeremiah 29, 11 when I graduated high school. Four years deep with Jesus. But it doesn't stop there, right? Don't have a t-shirt faith, right? A bracelet faith, a bumper sticker faith. See, God promises you a hope and a future if... You look for him. Jeremiah 29, 11 and 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Says God's speaking to you. If you look for me, if you look for God wholeheartedly, church, you're going to find him. See, God's people in the Old Testament were waiting, anticipating, and looking for their Messiah, and they found him. They found him laying in a manger 2,000 years ago. This morning, if you look for the gift of God, if you look for Jesus, you will find him too. Before we go this morning, let me tell you about one more Old Testament prophecy of Jesus. From the book of Isaiah. The first that we just read about is the prophecy of the birth. We read that in Isaiah chapter 7. Now, the second event, which confirms it all, second event we find prophetically spoken about when it comes to Jesus is a bunch of chapters later in Isaiah chapter 53. If you'll go there. Isaiah 53, I'm going to read 3 through 12 out of the NIV. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one whom people hid their face, he was despised and he held him in low esteem. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet... We considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment 
that was brought. And it brought us peace. It was on him. And church by his wounds were healed. We're going to keep reading verse 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Hey, hey. Can I get a bye? <laughs> I knew it. You know, sheep aren't very smart, right? And God calls us sheep for a reason. I'm not calling you dumb today, but what I am saying is you need a savior. You need a shepherd to lead you. That's why we look to the good shepherd. Amen. I'm just an under shepherd. Looking to the good shepherd to know how to shepherd. Amen. We all, like that sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of all of us. He was opposed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before the shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. You know, he could have brought down legions. Not only to rescue him, but to destroy everything he wanted. Verse 8, but oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Verse 11. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Hundreds, hundreds of years before Jesus grows up to be a man and carry out three incredible years of world-altering ministry. Hundreds of years before he will be arrested, crucified, and killed. The prophet Isaiah writes about how the manger will lead to the cross. See, church, Jesus was pierced in his hands and his feet by nails. But it was the love that held him there on the cross. He was crushed, he was beaten by his accusers. He was punished for wrongs that he never committed. He received wounds on our behalf and it is by his, his suffering that we have freedom from our sin and freedom from our rebellion. Though you and I are deserving of death, and the penalty for all of our sinful things we have done and the things that we have said against God and his laws. See, Jesus took it all upon himself for us. The hope we have of healing, freedom, wholeness, and eternal life is made possible because of Jesus. These gifts are made possible every day because of Emmanuel. I heard someone once say this, church. If Christmas is the promise, then Easter is the proof. I heard someone once say this. If Christmas is the promise, then Easter is the proof. We celebrate Advent, we celebrate Christmas because we know that the resurrection is going to come. The promised baby will lay in a wooden manger 
to one day grow up and reveal he is the promised Messiah to lay on a wooden cross to hang for our salvation. It's a good God. See, we've been given the awesome privilege and mandate of sharing the hope that we have found in Jesus. We gotta share it with others. The Bible says, go into the world and preach the good news. Now, what better season to do that in than the season of Advent? It's our high honor to present people with the incredible gift of an eternal hope. Right? You know, the world can make you happy, but God can give you joy. See, happiness comes with circumstances. Joy never leaves. Right? You can have a hope for tomorrow in the things of this world, or you can have a hope for today, yesterday, and forever in Jesus Christ. During this Advent season, we're given the opportunity to place our hope in the promises of God. We're filled with hope today because no matter what we face, because of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, and his eventual return, we'll experience victory over sin and death ourselves. God is always faithful to his promises. Behold, Emmanuel, God's greatest gift. You know, God's so good that he's even gonna re-gift the greatest gift. He will return, but he ain't coming back a baby. Mm-mm. Fire in his eyes, sword in his hand. He's coming to make things right, right? We live in the age of grace. But it's gonna run out soon. Grace will be lifted, the church will be gone, the Holy Spirit will be gone, and then there's gonna be people that wish they would have listened in church. <laughs> they would have listened to some of them prophecies. They would have listened to something else other than their bank account and the doctors and whoever else is telling them a bunch of lies, right? Behold, Emmanuel, God's greatest gift, the Prince of Peace has come. The light of the world is here. The Savior is born. The world will never be the same again. This morning, we are joining a long line of hopeful saints, believing that there is nothing that Christ cannot overcome in our lives. But before we go, I recognize maybe there's some people here this morning that you're in need of some hope. You currently feel like those, t those townspeople. You feel powerless because you see no future. Your faith is low, your hope seems lost, and you seem to only be able to focus on the issues that you are facing. Life seems bleak, your heart is broken. Sometimes in live church, we just need somebody to care for us the way that Jesus does. God is the one who forgives us of our sins. But he tells us in his word and he instructs us to confess our sins and to connect with one another so we can be healed. Right? God brings the salvation and when we come together and pray for one another, that's where we get healed. So before we go today, I got some prayer teams that are gonna come up here in a moment. You know who you are, you've been contacted this week. And this is what they're gonna do. They're gonna pray for you. They're gonna speak hope back into your life. They're gonna hold it confidential what you tell them, right? They're gonna remind you this morning that Emmanuel is with you. James 5, 16 says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. See, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Church, will you stand, please? Prayer teams, will you come? Brent, will you come as well? Here in a moment, the altar's gonna be open.
The altar will be open. Prayer teams, if you can go on the side so we can leave the altar open as well, that'd be awesome. We're gonna end with a song, but don't let this just like be, okay, I'm just gonna talk and do what I want and leave. No, right now there's people that desperately need the hope of God. These people are here to pray for you. The altar's open to meet God. We're gonna sing together here in a moment. We're gonna allow the Holy Spirit to move and do what he wants to do, and I'm gonna pray for you right now, okay? I love the hope of God. I'm so thankful for it, right? I say this frequently. I don't know how people do without God. I don't don't know how they do marriage. I don't know how they do life. I don't know how they do bank accounts. I don't know how to do anything, right? How do they do this? Then I'm reminded the word says that the pleasures of this world are fun for a season. Well, they turn to alcohol, sex, and, and drugs, and, and, and all the things that this world offers. That's what they do, and they think that's great. But it always leads to destruction. They find themselves depressed, broken, hurting, lost. But let me tell you something. Jesus is the hope of the world. He will never leave you depressed, broken, hurting, He'll never leave you or forsake you, the Bible says. If you need him today, it says, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You got to call out to receive him. So this morning, I want to pray for you. And then there's prayer teams up here. The altar's open. We're going to lower the lights and just have a time before we go. I love what the, the guy in the Old Testament says. He says, God, if you won't go with me, I won't go, right? I'll leave when you leave. I'll go when you go. But if you're not going to go, I'm staying here. So unless you got to go, don't go. Stay here. God's doing a work, amen? Father in heaven, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for your message of hope. We thank you for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I just lift up each and every person in here today that's feeling hopeless, broken, hurting, sick. We speak to that right now by the stripes of Jesus, by the transgressions and the beating and the whipping and the nails. May you not only be set free, but be healed completely. Body, spirit, soul, mind. I pray for each and every person here today, the ones that will call out on the name of the Lord, the ones that will pray to God. It says in your word that you will hear us and you will rescue us each and every time. So I ask that right now, the ones that are crying out here in a moment, the ones that need prayer, they're crying out to you, God. Rescue them. Heal them. Remind them of your hope. We love you. We thank you. And we worship you. Behold, Emmanuel, you're with us, God. In Jesus' name, amen.